So, yeah, that's that's pretty much her record against everything that most of the American people are for. So, yeah, like, yeah, Mitt Romney. In case you don't know what I'm referencing, just watch the last segment of last week tonight. And, uh, you know, the left, the left have, are too comfortable with progressive judges. Like, yeah, well, I'm sorry that most of the American people are in favor of, of the things that Barrett is against. Sorry, I thought you guys represent the American people, not just yourselves and your interests. Well, let's not forget, like, she is supposedly, you know what Republicans love to say. She is Catholic. She's a good Catholic woman. And because we criticize her so much, oh, now you're against Catholic, now you're against Catholicism. Which is really funny to me because she actually was a law professor from this prestigious, that people love to love to say, Notre Dame University, University of Notre Dame. And like to Notre me, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, to be fair. Notre Dame, yeah. It's French. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, to the fighting funny. Irish. No, literally, it's, it's so funny to me that she went to that prestigious school and the fact that like the catholic church has charities that support immigrants we have that catholic charities actually has organizations that work with immigrants so they can stay in this country because newsflash for y'all undocumented immigrants pay taxes they pay more than what the freaking thing the thing that we have in office right now in the presidential office um, that's really a newsflash, people who didn't know. They actually pay taxes. They the, do. One of the main complaints, if you're, not, if you're not racist, but don't want immigrants here. Exactly. And it's like, to me, it's kind of like ridiculous how she, you know, symbolizes that she's and expresses how she's a Catholic, knowing that you're literally going against what Catholic Catholicism is doing. Because there's Catholic charities, literally, like I just said. They support the they support organizations that that try to propose solutions for systemic issues. We have the Pope saying literally last week saying that to parents who have who have children in LGBTQ plus community, God loves them, and you're uh, going against God. Like uh, you're, if you if you're against what the Pope says, you're literally going against God because according to the Catholic Church and the Vatican. The Pope is the closest thing that you're gonna get close to God. Now, okay, I I won't make an argument for when it comes to since you know there's still many members of the church, Catholic Church that are against abortion, against contraceptives, and against gay marriage and transgenders. I'm gonna leave those aside. I'll say this: when it comes to healthcare. Jesus helped those who were sick. He didn't discriminate. He didn't judge or so, shame them for it. So the fact that you're trying to people who might who are gonna get who are gonna get sick, and if you want to take away their health insurance, and you're just gonna basically let them die because they can't see health coverage, they can't see a doctor, or drown them in debt and then make their life worse and then get more sick. So you're not helping the sick, which Jesus did help. Um, you're not help. One of these seven deadly sins is greed. Mm-hmm. You're helping the greedy rather than those being affected by greed. No, and like 
Yeah, exactly. And like, I know how you want to like, sep- you just said you wanted to separate the people that are against, um, like, against like, you know, um, abortion because yeah. of religion. But like, it's funny because she publicly said that she won't let her religious influence come to determine her decision in the court. However, Roe versus the Roe versus um, Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. Yeah, versus, oh yeah, that's what it means. Roe v. Um, literally, the reason why she has that, mental- that um, mentality to- against it is because of her religion. Why didn't you? It's, it's rooted of religion. And the fact that she said that, that she wouldn't let religion take over her decisions, well, the reason why you have the foundation of against reproductive rights was because of religion. Contraception is science obvious a uh, newsflash contraception is birth control because many women depend on that because they have underlying health conditions that the re- the, o- the only way they could survive is because they can take contraception that's what they need it for if so if they want to use it for sexual intercourse that's that's what that's that's their that's their decision i am not criticizing that's, that is that's their body. private business that's their private that's business their- Mm-hmm. And, and also, it's mostly for people like miss have a misconception towards contraception because they think it's always for sex. No, it's not. Woman in woman's body, woman science, we go through periods. Newsflash for those men that think it's disgusting. Newsflash, it's part of a woman's body. Deal with it. And so, like, women who actually have heavy periods have complications because of hormone imbalance need to take birth control so they can have a healthy lifestyle. So that's literally reproductive rights goes beyond abortion. It goes towards women's prenatal for if they think of having a baby and also go, going through life. Because literally the stages of a woman's life is they go through menstrual cycles. That's part of reproductive rights. Because that's literally what's going on through our body down there. It's reality. Yeah. And like, to me, like, it's just, it was, it's just so like hypocritical for her to say, I'm not going to let religion, t- you know, go again, you know, take a part of my decision. But the reason why you have these misconceptions towards contraception and abortion, because your religion told you that you're not a scientist. The reason why you know these things is because and have these towards belief is because your religion taught you that. And you decided to take on that. I grew up Catholic. I admit that during at a certain point, I've been to Catholic school since I was three. So yeah, I've been in Catholic worlds for a, really a long time. And I believe in Catholicism, but to a certain extent. I adopted those beliefs towards abortion and reproductive um, right, because my religion told me that I grew up with that I was taught that however I grew out of it because I was going through periods I was going through you know I'm um, going through womanhood and I really analyzed and read the science part and I was like you know what like I just don't believe what the Catholic Church believes that birth control is wrong birth control is a good thing at a certain point I might need it because I might have a hormone imbalance M- my periods might be strong and I'm going to be in a serious pain that's going to not going to let me do my day-to-day routines, I'm going to need it at some point. 
and I'm not going to shame myself for taking it when it's knowing that that's how I need to need to survive each day. It's for my health. You're going to take something because it's going to be beneficial for your health. So, like, religion, you, you're condemning me for this, even though I need this for my health. I'm not going to do that. No. Well, it's very solid points, but I want to bar that. I want to set that aside because I just put that out there's, there. there's, 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 there's so many religious leaders that are, still, are not going to come to terms with those cases when it comes to women's reproductive system. Even though most, of, even though most of them are usually men criticizing it, but and then of course you have like some, and of course you have like some you know nuns make creating organizations to against abortion, but that we're not we're not here to debate that. No. But just, but the topics of women's reproductive rights and specifically abortion, I don't think there's just many Catholic leaders there. You can never convince. No, it's it's said and done. Um. Gay marriage again. Certain religious leaders, you're not going to convince them that they deserve the same marriage rights. Or transgenders, you're just not going to convince certain religious leaders as certain Catholic leaders. But how about the other more simple practices of a Catholic of helping your neighbor, showing compassion, welcoming basically immigrants, welcoming exactly like a lot of things that Christ did that you're not doing. And then again, back to the last episode, why are you considered a good person just because you, you, identi- you identify your religion as being Catholic? If you're not doing what these teachings of helping your, and this, I'm not, I guess in this case, your community is the country. How are you considered good if you're always going against Become people and the vulnerable too. Christ helped the vulnerable and marginalized, right? He the poor, yes, the vulnerable, the sick, the oppressed. You're 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 deciding cases against them, and that's exact. And like I said, let's put let's put you know abortion and gay marriage and transgender rights aside that Catholic, Catholic leaders don't want to touch. The other simpler issues that Catholics usually want you to do anyways, you're against them. Mm-hmm. So please explain to me, why am I supposed to be convinced you're, you're, you have good morals as a Catholic? You're not, doing, you're not practicing these teachings. Literally, like that's, that's what I find like the most like, Republicans in general, not just her, but like Republicans in general that emphasize on Christian that they're Christian, Catholic, etc. Because we have Vice Vice President Mike Pence literally claiming he's a Christian, even though Christians have a different um, view on certain things compared to Catholicism. But when you think of reality of religion, they do have a universal code of morality in a way that's saying they're supposed to respect the dignity of the human person, regardless of who they are. And what does Mike Pence believe in? Conversion therapy. Basically believes in torture. And I don't really care. Of course, I care that you've, what your views on. But if, you, if you're just not on the same page about homosexuality or whatever, well, they're still human beings. And being tortured in order to be straight when that's... Not... Who they like, that's identify. not how it works. That's not how it works. 
that's not how it works but that's not christian no and like like the fact you torture somebody it's not christian at all and since we're since we're talking about this in general um like people bring up the bible a lot and how the bible says this and that new newsflash to people um the bible was not written by christ it was written by the apostles and um i go like i like it's common knowledge and thou those stories are interpretations of what the apostles and the apostles and like um his followers and disciples saw that's their that's what they observed and like i remember you talk talking about this like last week like in general the past couple of days how it's been the bible when people bring the bible like well dude um it's in, it's interpreted in so many ways like the original stories are interpreted by the apostles that that saw this and in languages like you mentioned especially that translation in languages is so different to what the original document said and so like you want exactly. to bring the Bible to like argue things? Well, you know, like it has many interpretations because in the language itself, in different languages, they have different translations to what it was to what they're saying. So Exactly. And also the fact that especially if you read the New Testament, the book of John, Luke, uh, Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah. <laughs> Matthew, thank you. I was freaking out of Matthew's name because everyone else is so simple. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> but but you know, his, historically, when they started teaching or spreading the word of Christ, they went to different regions. Mm-hmm. It's there, yeah. And which is why, which is why, and also these books were written at least two decades, at least because the Book of John was written much after the other books. Mm-hmm. They're written decades after Christ. Christ's life. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to different regions trying to convert other people to come into your religion, your, your approach to the, these stories and teachings of Christ might have to change mm-hmm. to convince people to come into your religion. So if you also notice some of the, the, some, the stories will be the same mm-hmm. of certain moments with Christ. But how it, but maybe like, but how it happens, details like, they changed a little, or the 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 moral of the story, the mm-hmm. theme, will change. So again, quote the Bible like, as much as you want. You're to use, but like, if you're trying you're trying to use the Bible for your argument, like of course little snippets and take it out of context as well too. But like, like that's there's a, there's it's not a black and white thing when it comes. Oh, let me put my Bible. Like, well, it's not a black no, and white. No, it's thing. it's literally not. And like. Like I like I thought like I never really thought the perspective that you mentioned to me like a couple of days ago about the interpretation in different languages, like um like you mentioned about um like how um like with homophilia and pedophilia, like how yeah. um you want to explain that because like that was an important point. Okay, like, I thought okay because right so as like some I was look, doing some research like and you know it was fact checked yes. Um, certain histor- historians actually learned that the original meanings in the Bible went because of, like people use the Bible and like scripture to say that why well, homosexuality is a mm-hmm. sin. We'll see it's in the Bible. It wasn't originally supposed to be homosexuality. The translation originally was the original term for was a sin was pedophilia. 
and but it but since there was no tech technically there wasn't a word I forgot what it was yeah but I, I believe it was in German mm-hmm. I believe it was German that the translation to German it, there was no they weren't going to translate pedophilia so instead they translated it to homosexuality and as you can yeah. and but ever, ever, yeah but ever since then we've only used we've only used revisionist history to say oh see homosexuality is a sin it says so like well that's a lot of translations and that's only recent it's only a recent discovery that's not a discovery that's it wasn't there for centuries like we just it was just there for and decades. it's like you mentioned how like like the modern application of like you know when you play the game telephone that you mentioned like literally it's getting lost in different interpretations because like one person said one person listened but then that person passing on to the next person like that's the problem like newsflash to like literally catholic scholars and like who claim actually who claim that are catholic scholars not catholic actual catholic scholars because they actually review this historical stuff but like who proclaim themselves as catholic scholars christian scholars will hate to break it to you but the original document doesn't say that you adapted that actually that teaching honestly you accepted that teaching so like you want to bring the bible well like there's like miss you know there's this there's this that that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah the, like i don't i don't think some people actually realize that like if you want to apply the bible with history mm-hmm. it changed then and i think people kind of like separate the two like like history and religion like but just like everything else in in history has changed over time and yes, like of course we've seen a lot of change within the Catholic Church, but I don't think people realize how how much change has actually come, even with it within its own teachings and writings, even the most universal things to teach. A lot there's a lot is different, and it's because how the world changed. Literally, and that's like the thing like I wanted to like bring up because like a lot of people, especially Republicans, love to bring the Bible two things in general people that are really like conservative um catholic and conservative christians like when they bring the bible quotes and stuff like that i'm just like you know like that's not what the original document said and like it definitely applies and what we see in political leaders so i just wanted to bring that up and also the most one of the most basic foundations separation of church and state yet a lot of your legislation decided or like like Roe v. Wade, you're deciding because of your religious beliefs. I'm sorry, there's a separation of church and state. There is a First Amendment. There's not just there's not just Christianity as a religion. There are multiple religions in this country. So I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say that your religion is invalid, but yours shouldn't have more validity in making certain decisions Especially over others. Especially because we're trying to be inclusive, not exclusive. <laughs> yeah. And and also we've also bro- broken we've also kind of violated the First Amendment with the Muslim ban. Literally, like it's it's really like people like, and I'm not saying just like Republicans, but also like political leaders in general. Because I mean, there's Democratic Party as well is not all liberal, all progressive. There's moderates, you know, like so like there's in general like in government that's what people need to realize that we have religion, the separation of church and like church and state. So like, um. Like, it's, 
like it's just a mess overall this supreme court um nomination for like because like she just really did like honestly like the republicans are just like eating the fact you know eating the fact like oh she's a catholic so like you know we picked a good person yeah and <laughs> <laughs> and you saw Marco Marco Rubio's video. Oh my god! On, on like like the, the left is attacking Catholicism. They hate it. like Joe Biden's Catholic. Literally, there's progressive leaders that are Catholic. Like like, like Nancy Pelosi's Catholic. Yeah, um, like Marco Rubio, like making that video. I'm just like, dude, I'm Catholic. I'm a progressive Catholic. Like, I'm in progressive and a Catholic. Like. Like I'm like I'm sorry that Pope Francis is more progressive on issues than Literally, you. Literally, like the Pope, and he's the most Catholic. He's the most Catholic, and even he, like he would say, "Ah, uh, dude." Even, you're like honestly, if you're, he probably saw that video. He probably was like, "I'm gonna pray for this all." Like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray that the U.S. you know something like can figure something out because you know these last you know, recent this you know recency is like not. No, it's really not. And, like, I honestly acknowledge Pope Francis for, like, having that progressive stance. Because, like, honestly, like, it's needed in a Catholic church. And, like... I I mean, it's not the the most progressive you're hoping, but the fact that... Steps. He hasn't said about abortion from what I've um, heard about. I just... Um, Yeah, I think that, like like I said, I I think there are just going to be certain issues that you're not going to win Catholic leaders over. So I just think that's going to be an issue that you're not going to be able no, to win them over. As much as, um, yeah. But, 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 but like, you know, for the, you know, like certain rights for, you know, like for the LGBTQ plus community, if the Pope says he's in, that they're accepted in the church, but you, but you don't like, man, you're, you shouldn't be more ignorant as a Catholic than, the most yeah, Catholic you're person going, in the like, world against the church, like he's the church. The Vatican is literally the most like is the church. Like if you want to have conservative Catholicism, the Vatican's there. That's the Vatican. That's <laughs> like that's literally like, that's literally God's house, like legit. Yeah. So yeah, that's. I think I need a breather. I need to take a deep breath because there's a lot of ranting about the Supreme Court. Um, nominee and yeah i mean uh her, and then you know like conservatives trying to use republicans they trying to use republicans trying to use catholicism as like oh just to justify good morals you don't need like to be well, a good I mean, person just to say like by saying that you're religious like yeah like you like sorry like you can't just say oh i'm catholic and i'll expect this to automatically mm-hmm. think you're a good person anyway <sighs> um going from that um <sighs> Um, yeah, overall, like the status of her um, confirmation is still in the works as um, because the Senate needs to decide. Um, it look, It's looking, I hate to break it to y'all, but like it's looking very, um, you know, not good. <laughs> um, the Senate, it has to just has to vote on it to see if she's going to be confirmed. Um, like I said, it's like a mess. And honestly, it's going to be a mess because the fact that the Trump and the first lady are infected with the coronavirus. So like, it's going to, it's going to be interesting how it unfolds at all. Um, So weak, huh? And yeah, it's really an update about this, about Amy. That's her name. Yeah. Amy. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah. yeah, But moving on, 
to um oh another thing since we're talking about congress um we actually have some hope um so like last night actually um house the house of representatives did vote on a stimulus relief bill here's the heroes act um it passed actually the house did pass it however um, a lot of democratic representatives were not in favor of this bill because it did have a lot of issues meaning that this package is not as huge as the first package however this bill was really something that the moderates in the Democratic Party wanted to get out. They wanted to have something better than nothing because they wanted to make it more a bipartisan thing because we know that the Senate's going to have to vote on it. So, like, Democratic leaders did not like it because obviously it is not at all, um, you know, going to be justifiable and, like, better for the American people. But they had to have something to, you know, to put out there for the Senate. So they did pass. Um, well, the other thing I know about the bill is that um, Americans will receive the $1,200 stimulus check. However, I don't think I, it didn't mention from what I know, if dependents are going to get that. So like, you know, when children under 16 are, we're going to get like $500, you know, like for each kid or whatever. Um, I believe that's not a thing. Um, I have, I've read some of it, the updates of the bill and it didn't mention that so like that's a huge thing that the democratic progressives did not like because they're just like you know how are families going to rely on twelve hundred dollars like that's not enough however they had to come to a compromise towards it because obviously people need money right now so um it's not the ideal bill and um that's really the update about congress that they did pass it and hopefully is that the senate accepts it because they were drafting this bill and try to find something compromisable so Republican Senate could move forward with it. So we'll see how that works in the next coming days. Um, So, like, that's an update of the HEROES Act. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, thank you. Thank you for that update. And... Uh, yeah, I think that's that's enough news for. Yeah, so now we're gonna get to the highlights of Hispanic Heritage Month, known as also Latinx Heritage Month. So we're now gonna talk about something good. Um, so I'll start that way. Um, Jacob can have a lot another breather because he went on perfectly about the Supreme Court <laughs> Justice nominee. So um, good research on that. Um, thank you. That, that was yeah, that was hard. No, that was I a little bet. stressful. Um, Anyways, um, <laughs> so um, I want to talk about my first person. And then actually, since we're talking about Congress, I'm going to talk about this Latina in Congress. So she, um, Representative Liana Ross Lehitan. I don't know how to, like, her last name's kind of weird. It's not Hispanic. It's, like, kind of Hispanic, but not really. But anyways, she actually was a former Republican congressional representative she was the first for many things in the government so she was the first latina to serve in the florida house she was the first latina to serve in the florida florida senate first latina to serve in the u.s house of representatives i'm not done yet first latina and first cuban american in congress and last but not least the first woman ever 
to be chair of a regular standing committee of the house. So she was the first, she was the first woman and Latina for many different things. She's like, I, like I mentioned, Cubana and she is a Republican. I know that like probably people are thinking, why am I mentioning a Republican? But no, just know that Republicans during this time, because she served a long time ago, um, were different. It was a different type of Republican party to say the least. <laughs> well, do you know, do you know what years she um, served? I don't really remember what it was. Let me get back to you on that while you present your your second, per- okay. your first person. Right. Because right. you're right. Because like you, as you mentioned, the Republican Party, especially considering when these firsts would probably take place, that sounds like it was a long time ago. And like you said, the Republican Party decades ago to compared to today, completely she was- different. Yeah, so getting back to that, she did serve during the early 90s. And she actually recently stopped representing in 2019. So she was in in Florida's 27th district, representing the congressional district, from 1989 to 2019. So it's pretty recent that she just retired from her position. Um, So, like, within politics. um, So I would say, like, she was in a congressional aspect of it in the 90s and then earlier like the 80s was when she was in the senate so like she did a long career so like okay so 80s like type of thing um but mostly she does she served more in the house of representatives for a longer time compared to the senate but um well well, okay well when she started off in her political career the republican party was different it was I get, but I guess over time, yeah, it did get more in her career. It did yeah, get more. Yeah, but like her first, like I guess her first awareness and like her political like symbolism, like image of like being part of the Republican Party was a little bit different. But yeah, she was the first really woman to serve in everything, like um, to like have um, positions within Congress. So like, yeah, that, that's significant. All right, so now to my first person. My first person to, to, I guess, highlight is Gloria Ansaldua. Now, Gloria Ansaldua, she was a feminist theorist and she was an author as well. And she actually was significant in intersectional feminism, you know, inc- to include Chicana women. She was born in Texas. She... Um, sought out her education and she fought she, she fought segregation a lot within her education and as a teacher and as an activist she was involved in the farm workers movement and the Mexican American youth organization you know she was she was also very critical of the male focus in both mm-hmm. movements and she's also written she's also written um books regarding um feminism such as books also titled this bridge calls my back writings by radical women of color so it's so according to my source it is one of the first books to place women of color at the center of the feminist conversation and but she also has written other books um that that have actually done 
very have been very successful, such as Borderlands, La Frontera, The New Mestiza. So she she's written a lot of essays, books, poetry until until her death in two thousand four. But a lot of her work had a what had a was focused on the Chicana struggle. And but she's still seen as a very important feminist to this day. So we thank her for her work yeah, and her it's, writings. It's really important that we have um, Latinx voices, especially within work and liter- literacy. That's really important because that's something that, like, as we as we notice, like in English literature, like in literature in general, it's mostly white writers and white authors. So it's important that we have voices that are um, Latino and also and people of color in general. Um, thank thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um. So my second person is Silvia Rivera. Um, she is um, a Puerto Rican American. She was a Puerto Rican American, born in Nueva York, so in the greatest city of all, New York City. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, she she was a trans woman and drag queen of color. The first, really, she advocated for um, the LGBTQ plus community, especially within transgender and um, drag queens in general. Um, She actually struggled a lot with addiction, went through homelessness, and actually went to jail because of of her identity. Her identifying herself as a trans woman, she was thrown to jail and abused. So she suffered a lot of harm and brutality for her identity. And she worked to promote intersectionality within gay and lesbian in the lesbian community and really was the person who cre- who was who we t- who we were going to take credit for adding the T to the LGBTQ plus movement. She was the reason why we have a T in that whole acronym is because of her because she advocated for the trans community. And um, during like the, the the Stonewall riots that were happening in New York City in 1969, she was able to um, promote the advocacy and founded the thing the acronyms that's called star it, it means for the street transgender action revolutionary she founded that organization with marcia p johnson to provoke to pro- to provide housing and support the homeless um queens and queers and honestly um she was a huge advocate and her legacy still lives on because they were actually um, able to establish the Silvia Rivera Law Project, which is a legislative organization that works to advocate for political change in support of, the, of gender and sexual orientation. So, yeah, thanks um, to Silvia Rivera that um, she's a huge advocate for the Latinx community, especially within um, the trans community and LGBTQ plus community. So, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, and her she is a revolutionary. Yes, she is. Which is very important, yeah. especially during these times. Um, All right. Mm-hmm. So that was your second person. Now, for my second person, I decided to highlight Berta Caceres. So Berta Caceres, she's a, she was an indigenous environmental activist de, de Honduras. So she led a again according to my source a a grassroots campaign that opposed a a dam that was going to be built on the 
Gualcarque River. And the reason why she was against it was because protecting the river was something that the river was very sacred to the the Lens, the Lencas. There was the it's the indigenous tribe that Caceres belongs she belonged to. That was her tribe. Those her community. But protecting that river also meant protecting the uh, her tribe's access to water, to food, to medicine. And as as an activist, she founded the Council of Popular and Indigenous Organizations of Honduras, which supports and advocates for the needs of indigenous communities in Honduras. And unfortunately, um, because of her activism, she received a lot of death threats for those for people who refused to accept indigenous rights. And as a result of that, um, she died in 2016 because um, more than likely people who did not, who were not fond of her broke into her home and she was, mm -hmm. she, she was, was shot a huge to death. environmentalist. She, not only was she an environmentalist, but she also was a huge was. voice for the indigenous community because you can see many different countries, governments are trying to take mm -hmm. away the well, land of the indigenous people. Much. But not a, Yes, she fought for it till the, till the day she died. And hopefully, hopefully the Council of Popular and Indigenous Organizations of Honduras keeps fighting mm -hmm. the fight that she was fighting. So, but... So, muchas gracias de por ayudar a su gente de Honduras. Um, my last person is Bianca Jagger. The last name sounds very familiar. And yes, she actually was a former wife of Mick Jagger. Um, so, a little bit about her. Um, <laughs> Rock yeah, in on. the 1970s, she was married to Mick Jagger. Um, originally, she's from Nicaragua. And she's known for her social and human rights um, activism, especially in Managua, Nicaragua. Um, so what really sparked her um, social activism was during 1981 was that she fought for the release of 40 refugees that were at gunpoint in Honduras. Um, and she, she really advocated for that. And um, she also advocated for the opposition of the, U of the United States interfere intervention towards um, in Nicaragua. So, um, so, like, yeah, she was huge on um, the U.S. really, you know, corrupting Central, Central America. Because the U.S. has history of, you know, corrupting an intervention towards the El Salvador, um, Honduras, Nicaragua, um, Guatemala etc. Um, but she also was really huge on indigenous rights as well in Nicaragua. También environmentalism. She really fought towards that. And also women's rights. She was huge on women's health, especially. And um, with her like awareness and like really promoting social activism, she, she is currently really um, on the council of the Europe Goodwill Ambassador. And she's the trustee of the Amazon um uh wait for, yeah for ambassador wait she's an ambassador of the Amazon sorry I brought my notes a little bit wrong and um she's like really a chair of her foundation that she founded and that promotes to really do charitable charitable work so um 
for the yeah so that's really her her activism and I think it's really cool that she's actually she was married to Mick Jagger because I I just that was just really um abrupt to me to find out I was like wow okay (laughs) um but yeah that's that's um Bianca Jagger all right Rock on yeah, for being married to Mick Jagger. Um, but yeah, it's really the person I want to highlight. All women, you know. <laughs> yeah. All women, yes. Uh, for my last person to highlight, I guess. I've mentioned I've mentioned this person, allies, so I guess I should. I also, I, I, from, the, from day one when we did this, I still wanted to mention him as well. So today is mm-hmm. his day that he gets mentioned. Cesar Chavez. There are people who know. I mean, you know, know the name Cesar know. Chavez. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, especially like Comunidad Mexicana. So he's no, he's super well known for getting union rights for migrant farm workers in the 1960s. Um, he actually dropped out of school so that he can help his family in doing field work. Uh, he also he also enlisted himself in the Navy. And when he, when he came back from his service, you know, he pretty much tried to better the lives of farm workers, especially growing up with a farm worker family, growing up as a farm worker. So, you know, he, so he created the National Farm Workers Association, which today is the United Farm Workers of America to, you know, to improve the working conditions and the wages for farm workers. So had, and so his former protests learning from people like Dr. King and Gandhi, nonviolent protests, like he marching and one thing that led really close to his death and and during his protests, mm-hmm. fasting. Which he went, I believe, 19 mm-hmm. days of fasting. That's something. That's activism. So that is he he was really fighting for the farm workers and he and he also led a boycott of farm workers that he the boycott until they were going to boycott until they reached an agreement guaranteeing certain workers rights to unionize but not only what did he fight for farm workers he he pretty much was he pretty much believed in human rights. So he, he supported gay rights and he also opposed the Vietnam War. So even though he was very focused on farm workers, and his, which I, of course, understand and I always, you should always fight for farm workers, but he, he also was an advocate for other, other oppressed groups. So Cesar Chavez... Your, and your legacy lives and on. I'm really gra- glad you bring that up, especially during these times in the crisis of the pandemic. Farm workers have been not advocated for as much as they should be. They are essential workers. They're really the heroes of what of this pandemic right now. They've always been heroes in general because the reason why we have food on the table is because of them. We would not be ha- eating if it wasn't yeah. for farm workers. So really reflect that every single day you have a meal because the reason why you have food on the table is because of them. And you should 
care about what's happening to them. And I really want to um, put out there the Fair Food um, Trade Organization really look towards that because they have information how to really be an advocate towards farm workers. And by that, I mean advocate, like, limit your purchase. Find out which organization, which corporations actually take advantage of farm workers. I hate to break it to you guys, a side note, but, like, Wendy's, <laughs> do not eat there. <laughs> well, by that, I mean they do not, they exploit, really, farm workers work because they purchase from farms that brutalize farm workers do not at all give them any basic human rights and i really want to like emphasize that because as much as we we try to not to consume corporation stuff but you really need to like um if you want advocacy want to do some advocacy then you need to realize where you can stop limiting your purchases from Whole Foods does that. They don't. They per, they purchase on farms that <laughs> pay s- low wages that like literally break your heart to farm workers. And like I really like want people to research and advocate for farm workers because they're not at all getting the recognition, and it's a fighting challenge. So I really want to put that out there. And then the ones that are getting them getting infected by the COVID nineteen pandemic puts at risk our food. So if you want to eat, well, you have to advocate for farm workers because they're not going to be any food if they don't pick the food for us. That's the really cold, hard truth. So I invite you guys to really um, look into those programs and also the Coalition of Milwaukee Farm Workers. Um, They do a lot of activism there and donations. They're always needed donations. So really look at that and um, do that for farm workers. So, yeah, that's really my closing um, remark so, on that. Actually, I want to say something really quick. I think uh, it's it's probably it's occurred to me, and you kind of pointed this out that one of the people I just highlighted. Oh yes, I did mentioned. actually. Um, Berta Caceres. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah, that's so, <laughs> so. So I apologize for that. And so. So as so as of right now, as you were speaking, I decided, you know what, to make up for that, I want to highlight another person. There's nothing wrong with highlighting a person twice, but I mean, I like that's already been done. So <laughs> I decided right now to look for someone else <laughs> to make sure that I, it's not just you get you do three highlights and I do two and it's a re- a, basically a retweet. It it's, it's the people need to know if they miss it the first time, they can do it the second time. Yes. Yes, but how about another person just because you know yes. it's, it's original. <laughs> it's original. So I I did I did that. a little more research again. And you know, you gov majors, you know, good at the research, so but so I might not be as good as you, but uh so I decided to uh I, so I found someone. And so now the first, the next person I'm gonna highlight. Here we go, Carlos Cadena. <laughs> I haven't done that person. All right. I haven't done men. <laughs> so Carlos Cadena, he was an American lawyer, a civil rights activist, 
and a judge from San Antonio, Texas. So he actually, <laughs> he's actually, you know, just like you, also attended Catholic school. <laughs> but, yeah, but he did get his law degree from the University of Texas Law School. Oh. Served in the Air Force, the U.S. Army Air Force during World War II. So, you know, he's a patriot and did serve his country. But he also then became, you know, after the war and after the Air Force, he became an attorney. Um, he actually worked on a very important case called Hernandez versus Texas. Um, he argued that for the Supreme Court to end the practice of systematic exclusion of Hispanics from jury duty in Jackson County, Texas. So, you know, in jury duty, you know, mm-hmm. any anyone should be able to serve on ice. And if, if yeah. that's another thing on systemic racism, excluding people of color and the, the jury. That's what you want. Fair, equal, that's, that's That's what you want the faces of Americans. You want the faces of Americans to decide on the jury. So, and he, so he fought for that. So, and he also served. Uh, oh, he actually, I, you know, after, after being a, a lawyer, he actually, he actually taught constitutional law at St. Mary's until he became, until he became appointed um, an associate justice of the, Ooh. of the fourth court of appeals. Which was he was the first American to hold that kind of ranking, and yes, very, he, he he. There are some decent men. Yeah, he did he did things with his law degree, <laughs> 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 and you know he also and he also served as a senior a- appellate judge justice. So and he he did some good things with his law degree, you know, fighting for the law and upholding the law. That's- and there teaching are, the there law. Are decent Latino men in, in in this world. There's some decency, no machismo. There's some, <laughs> there's some, there's some hope, ladies. There's some hope. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I've no. Um, there he has he has been honored uh, even at his old school. The, according to the source, the Premier Student Society of St. Mary's Law School, is the Carlos Cadena. Law Ooh, student dining society. This makes me want to apply. To like and, so, <laughs> yeah, so, and one of the Texas Law School Society is named in, in his honor. So he did. He, did, he did some good things with his law degree. Wow. That's what we like to see. Fighting from, for the people. You know, in general people. But there are some decent men. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So with that, with that big case, he was the first Mexican American, along with his, um, along with his um, partner on the case, Gus Garcia. They're the first Mexican Americans to win and to to argue and win a case in front of the Supreme Court. People, especially, need to need to do that. Especially um, lawyers of color. Need to be more in the field. Yes. Honestly, like I remember, there's a statistic of like Latinos in law school, and there's like I'm pretty sure it's about like four percent of Latinos are in law school. Majority is white. Um, 
Yeah, it's very low. And, you know, poverty is usually a big case, but just yeah, yeah, so, um, try to encourage. School. Like hearing like people like in general, um, female lawyers and male lawyers, um, that are Latino, it like really um it, like empowers like young um you know, future lawyers to really because lawyers are needed. Like it's a huge um huge thing to ha- to uphold with an education. Law school's not easy, but Hopefully that this has encouraged people to really apply for law school because we need more Latino lawyers out there. They're needed. Latinos are a huge population in the United States and will continue to be. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yes, of course. And I think with that, wrapped yeah, up this is a long, long show, and so pretty I just, good show. Deci- I have decided to post this as two different um, kind of episodes since they're both kind of almost equivalent in time. So um, that w- I don't want to put it all together in one episode. So, like, <laughs> you know, you get a break. So you after listening to one part, you can listen to the second part as another episode. So, um, yeah, because I know, like, I wouldn't want to listen to it all at once. So we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this feels like the length of a of a Joe Rogan podcast episode. So. Yeah, so um, we had that, a lot time to talk about, and um, it was really fun. I think that we really, we really did it. We covered basically everything that happened this week. I feel like yes, that was we like did. Prime time, yes, we did. <laughs> giving like a news report. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, we'll be back next week with more news. Um, so really be in the lookout for that. Yeah. Twitter's the best way to find out about news. I know I shouldn't say that because you should look at scholarly resources, but if you want like a good tidbit of what's going on, Twitter's the best way to do it. <laughs> like it's the, headline, quick, the quickest way, honestly. The and then go online and research further. That's what I do, honestly. Yeah, and with that, with that being said, yeah. Jackie, Gracias, mi gente, thank you for another good episode. Um, estamos agradecidos. Um, yeah. Eh, muchas gracias, muchas gracias a todos y Exacto. si Dios quiere regresamos la otra semana. Okay, mi gente. Right. Goodbye.